Welcome to the Providence Community Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message by Caleb Kinsley. If you would like to stay connected with us, download our app, Providence Community, or visit our website, providencecommunity.org. That's not even my kid. That's, come on. We'll hang out later. Thank you. Real quick, I mean, God bless the Margish family. Can we please, like, out of, like, a sense, I'm talking about honor today. Can we honor God with a thank? Can we stand to our feet and give just a shout of thanks to God for the healing? Come on. Awesome, awesome. Thank you. You can grab a seat. God is still in the healing business. God is still doing incredible things, and if we, if we get to this place where we stop looking to him, we'll stop expecting from him. And so a lot of times when it comes to Christianity, when it comes to platforms and churches and being in the seats and our Bible studies, we come to God almost being, if you've been in church long enough, you kind of get to this jaded place where it's, okay, God, I'm going to read because I should, or because I can, but rarely it's to, it's to find something new about him because we think we've already read it. I've read the scriptures a lot. I went to Bible college. I grew up in a church family. I've been following Jesus since I was five. I've read the Bible. Like, I could tell you, oh, man, I know every verse, and I know everything that God has for us, and I don't because every time I read it, I'm in a new season where God begins to use a new word that may have been complacent for me in the past, but now it's breathing life because the word of God is alive. Because God's still alive. But if we think that he is just limited to the scriptures, it's the equivalent of him saying, it's, this is a uh, slightly crude example, but it's the, it's the equivalent of like a husband writing down a list of do's and don'ts and that's the only thing that our family can talk about in order for us to be at peace. That is not a stable family. That's not a healthy family. Because the second you step out of line, you're going to get destroyed. Some of us may have lived under that. Some of us might be living that. There is the letter of the law, and then there's the spirit of the law. And where the spirit of the Lord is, there's liberty and all those wonderful things. But... We are not to live by the letter of the law. We're supposed to live by the spirit of the law, especially now that Christ has fulfilled the law. We get to live in the spirit of grace. We get to live in the spirit of truth. Yes, read the letter. But if you are confined to the letter, you're not actually honoring God because the Pharisees honored the letter and they questioned everything Jesus did and yet what he was doing was kingdom. And yet we're more focused on what can I uphold of the letter to make sure that I'm good enough to be seen by him? That's not honor. That's self-honor. And we struggle with this because we have been taught the American dream, honor yourself. Make enough money. Hustle hard enough so you can retire early and do nothing for the rest of your life. That doesn't make any sense. 
that we talk about Spurgeon, who amazing pastor, amazing, amazing sermons, died so young because he felt the need to hustle ministry rather than living it. Now, I'm thankful for what he gave us, but we've said this from the stage up here a number of times. Had he lived by the spirit of that law, which I know he did, but God rests. God is rest. I don't have to defend him. I get to walk with him, and he defends me. He's my rear guard and my front guard and my side guard. So honoring God is not honoring myself by how much I know of him. Honoring God is saying, God, the more I get into the kingdom, the less I know, teach me. It takes humility to walk in the kingdom. It takes intellect to study a letter. But intellect doesn't get me into the gates of heaven. A relationship with Jesus gets me into the gates of heaven. And the best part is if you are saved here and you know Jesus, we're already in. Like, I don't have to wait in line to get in. We're living kingdom from here on forward. So how do we honor that? How do we honor God with where we really are? I will tell you, I don't have a Bible up here. I've got stuff written down on my papers. I've got the Bible app on my phone. We're going to throw it on the screen. But here's the deal. If the scripture says it, it's good enough for me. And then I'm going to take what that scripture says and say, okay, God, what do you have to say about this? I love Matthew Henry going online and getting, uh, you can go and like kind of get like breakdowns of scripture. There's like tons of commentaries you can go look at. And they are beautiful and wonderful and they, they bless my soul. But if I'm first going to have knowledge instead of revelation from what God says about his own word, I'm, I'm talking about a book without the author's perspective. I have to have the author's perspective because we can put our own perspective on what was written. We do it all the time. I'm guilty of it, and yet if we stay tender, if we stay humble, if we continue to honor God, we can live in a place where I'm, I'm so tender that if he whispers something that I thought was true forever and he goes, hey, that's not the full truth. Here's a little bit more. Oh, God, thank you. Amen. I'm not mad at myself for what I didn't know. I don't shame myself for what I didn't know. I get to step in and say, God, thank you. Because I'm going to honor him here and now, right here, right now, today. It was funny. I, have a, I, was, uh, I finally have a brand new phone. For any of you that know me, when the iPhone 6 came out, I got an iPod. <laughs> when the 10 came out, I got an 8. I've never gotten a brand new one, even though they're new to me. I've never gotten a brand new phone. I've kind of lived in a slightly poverty mentality that, hey, I can't afford the new thing. It's too, you know, I'll just, I'll wait for the later models to get handed down, and then I'll get a refurbished one that's way cheaper and it's way easier. I walk in. You know, there's money on the account. I don't even have to pay for a few months. It's awesome. <laughs> but my phone started, I had an eight. It was messing up. And I'm not here to promote Apple, so please, anybody. <laughs> I can feel the glares. <laughs> Jesus, heal them. All the Android users in the room, heal them, Jesus. Heal them. So, <laughs> hey, we got healing right now. Praise God. Praise God. God, get Chris Nelson wherever he is. Amen. So 
my phone starts messing up to the point where I'm trying to delete things off of it. I'm trying to like, like the cloud is full. My, my computer's so full, I can't even transfer stuff. So I'm like, I have like four computers out and I'm passing stuff to one computer and trying to, and it's just, a, it's a nightmare. I am overly triggered. I'm going mental trying to figure out how can I get all of my stuff so when I get a new phone, whatever it is, I can keep all of my downloads. How can I do that? So I'm sitting there and I'm going, okay, I look online. Online is dangerous because they have 50 million different advertisements to get you into the next thing. And I'm like, no, Jesus, I break this in the name of God. <laughs> and I, I, just, I decide I'm going to go to Verizon. I'm going to talk to somebody. What I think is give me the 10. It's, it's off of the 12. Or the SE, which is like the refurbished four that they just keep renewing. <laughs> you know, and I'm like, dude, that would be perfect. It's smaller. It's easier. I would love to have that. So I went in, long story short, I sit down with the guy and I just say, hey, I want to trade this in. What can I do? And I'm expecting him to tell me, oh, well, it's going to be, you'll get 30 cents for your trade in. <laughs> it's going to cost you $13,000 for an iPhone 12, <laughs> along with the rights to your house, your car, and your firstborn child, which that's two, so that's now, we're up to four things. And I'm sitting there, and I'm going, dear Jesus, like, I'm honoring the process. And I sit down, and the guy punches some numbers. He looks over at me and goes, well, based on today's promotion, based on today's promotion, somebody tap your heart and say, today's promotion. You're going to get $800 back on your iPhone 8, which isn't worth that. It's going to leave about $95 left on the new iPhone 12, and it's going to be 4 bucks a month for the next, like, I don't even know, because I was like, all I heard was $4, and I fainted. <laughs> it's like, Jesus! I asked, I said, can I just pay it off now? He goes, that's not the promotion. You have to stay. I'm like, like just let me be free. But it's $4 a month for a brand new iPhone 12. And I'm sitting there, and don't praise the iPhone 12. It's not wonderful, but I had a button. I now have to use my face, and the government knows what I look like now. I'm not a big fan. <laughs> I had to figure it out. It took, it took some operating for me to figure out how to now use this new phone. But after we went through all the paperwork, it was less than I thought I was going to have to pay. Monthly, it was less than I thought I was going to have to pay to get out of the room. I sit in the car... And I'm like, God, I just got upgraded. And he goes, yeah, you did. But then he dropped something into me. He goes, it was today's promotion that opened up that door. And here's the best part. When I give you an upgrade, I float the bill too. I know it's just a phone. I know it's not a Bible verse. But the Father is speaking to me saying, hey, when you go through the process, when you honor me and you take the right steps at least to find out, I will download something and I'll give you a promotion in something that you didn't know you needed. And a lot of times we sit back and say, God, just give me the SE. Just give me the, the basic. And sometimes and there's nothing wrong with the basic phone. My buddy just got a flip phone. God bless him. I can't group message with him anymore. I'm really upset. But there's a simplicity to it. I've done that in past seasons. It's beautiful. So don't, like, the iPhone 12 is not the epitome of the Christian life. Okay, don't, 
Don't hear that today. <laughs> I'm not going to make that joke. Anyway, <laughs> it was the simple fact that I thought I only deserved a certain amount. And yet God had more for me. He had something else just to let me know, hey, I see you, and you've lived in a season of wanting probably for far too long because I've thought, oh, well, I'll, I'll just humble myself. No, I've, I've humiliated myself with the perspective of what ministry should and shouldn't look like. Humbling is not looking down on yourself. It's just looking up at Jesus. So how do we honor him? How do we walk with him? We're going to throw it up. It's... Uh, 2 Samuel 9. So we're talking about honoring like Jesus, and then I take you to the Old Testament. It might be an old covenant, but there's still kingdom principles that David and men like him fulfilled that showed the image of Christ. I can't say, like, the Old Testament has been fulfilled. It has not been abolished. It has not been taken away. There is still the kingdom and the things especially that David did. I'm not going to get into it, but Acts 15 says that because of what he has done, he is restoring the booth of David. Why is he going to restore an Old Testament idea? Because somewhere in the Old Testament, David got a New Testament understanding, and he opened up the gates for something to hit the earth that wasn't ready yet. And God said, you know what? This is what we're doing up here. I love this. 33 years of peace, 33 years of bountiful harvest, 33 years of protection for David opening up the tabernacle of David, which didn't have sacrifice. It didn't have the table. Go find it. Go read it. Go study it yourself. He didn't have the right things by what the law said. He had the spirit of God within him saying, I'm going to worship God day and night, night and day. That's how he honored. He should have gotten smoked for not having it set up right. And yet Jesus, God says through Paul or through Luke and Acts, I'm restoring what David tapped into. So why do we go to the Old Testament? Because the stories are amazing. So go to 2 Samuel 9, and we're going to read this. And David said, is there still anyone left of the house of Saul that I may show him kindness for Jonathan's sake? I'm going to pause you right there. Go back to verse 1. How many times did Saul try to kill David? A lot. Thank you, Mike. My voice, I have the craggle right now in my throat. I'm sorry that my voice is so low today. It usually sounds like a 13-year-old boy. But now I feel like Mike and I can have a good, deep conversation. Um... Saul tried to kill David time and time and time and time again, twice in, the, in his home, because David would play for Saul. It would remove the, de like the demon or the, the spirit that was assigned to Saul, but then he started throwing spears at him. The first one, David goes, okay, not your fault. That was probably me. I played the wrong chord. I played a Bethel song rather than Elevation. I apologize. <laughs> I'm so sorry, throw your spears. It's okay. My fault, the lighting was wrong. I'm, my bad, my bad. The second time he goes, what did I do? You know, like Saul tries to kill David, and now it is because of Jonathan's sake 
because of the friendship that David had with Jonathan, and yet he doesn't ask for Jonathan's family. David has the audacity to honor Saul, even in his death, even after his death. He, he, he honors someone who tried to kill him, and he wants everybody to know, hey, is, is there anyone of Saul's house who's available for me to be kind to? I'm going to hang here for one more second. The reason this is so ridiculous is because back in that day, it was the children and the children of the children's job to avenge the, the change of a hierarchy when it comes to the kingdom. So when David took over, he would have to watch his back for Saul's family, thinking that they would try to supplant him in order to take it back over again. Tribal warfare, that's like, this is how it happens. And so the new king usually rounded up all of the family, men, women, and children, and had them killed to make sure that no uprising would begin. So we know that David wants to extend kindness. Guess what? Jonathan's family doesn't. So verse two. Now there was a servant of the house of Saul whose name was Ziba. I'm gonna make up a lot of names right now. Um, Ziba's probably pretty easy, but... Just hang with me if you know better than I do. And they called him to David. The king said to him, are you Ziba? And he said, I am your servant. And the king said, is there not still someone in the house of Saul that I may show kindness, the kindness of God to him? Ziba said to the king, there is still a son of Jonathan. He is crippled in his feet. The king said to him, where is he? And Ziba said to the king, he's in the house of Machir, the son of Emil, at Lodebar, the Old Testament's fun to read because you get to make up words. <laughs> then, the king, then King David sent and brought him from the house of Makar, the son of Emil at Lodebar, in case you were confused about that. This is the best name in the entire Bible. I fought for this to be my son's name. It's Mephibosheth. Everybody say Mephibosheth. Mephibosheth. You're speaking in tongues now, amen. <laughs> and Mephibosheth... The son of Jonathan, son of Saul, came to David and fell on his face and paid homage. I'm going to pause right there. In Mephibosheth's world, he has been told, he is feared, he has probably had nightmares. Number one, he's crippled in a society that does not handle that well. He's a weakling. It would be easy for David to wipe out the line. He could just leave Mephibosheth in the middle of the desert and no one would care. No one would know and it would, he wouldn't even really be guilty of anything. So Mephibosheth can come in, hide a dagger in his back, wait for David to get close, knife him. There's stories about that. Different kings, people came in to bless, knifed him, it folded underneath the fat, no one could find it, the king died. I don't know what happened. The Bible's got a lot of cool stories. But Mephibosheth doesn't come in. I'm praying it's because he's the son of Jonathan, and Jonathan probably spoke him up and was like, David is a man of another spirit. What we say to our children, even about past generations, will either continue the generational curse or will begin a generational blessing. 
If you continue to talk trash about people and you wonder why your kids don't have good relationships, it might be because everything that I talk about is in question, not in blessing. Because David shows the blessing. Mephibosheth comes in, though, and falls at his feet, which wouldn't be hard for someone who's crippled, but they probably would have carried him in. He probably would be in a chair. Something. They sit him down, and he falls on his face and pays homage. Even if it's in the wrong spirit, going through the right process to honor the people who are in front of us speaks volumes of our humility. It's not about humiliating yourself. It's about being humble. It's about having a lower view of where you stand compared to where somebody else stands. In America, we don't get this because you all are sitting down and I'm standing up on a stage. But the equivalent of what Mephibosheth does is to get down below the king. There's an old movie called The King and I. It's a beautiful musical. A lot of my gray hairs are not in their head, praise God. If you haven't seen it, watch it. There is a lot of Eastern practice Buddhism crazy stuff, get past that, and look and see the story behind it, because this woman is an English woman. She wants to be a teacher, to teach English to their children, but in that culture, you do not have your head above the king, and there's this funny little scene where he bows down to pray, and he looks up at her, and she's supposed to get down real quick, so then he gets down to pray, and she gets a little lower, then he kind of gets down a little bit more, and she gets a little bit lower. And then he gets down even lower. And now she has to lay on the ground. And he keeps moving just to see, are you willing to honor me yet? And at that point, their relationship changes. Because she has been fighting him. I will not bow. I don't do that. You're not my king. It's not a game with God. But for us, his children, when I get down on the ground with my kids, guess what they do? they get down on the ground with me. God lowers himself in the form of Christ. He lowers himself to us. He has a humble view of himself because he doesn't lord it over us that he's God. He lowers himself to have relationship with us and says, come here. And the best part is when my kids do that, I pick them up and lift them above my head. That is the kingdom. That is the God we serve. It's not about rules and regs. We have those. I got mad because my kids were running up on the stage a couple weeks ago. I know that the rule is we're not supposed to have our kids on the stage. So I threatened them. And I said, I want to spank you. And they just went, ah, and just ran off. And I realized I'm fighting their fun. And I'm trying to keep a rule and a reg instead of allowing the spirit of family to rule me. Are we going to allow the spirit of family to rule us? Are we going to try to keep this letter of this law that we heard about rule us? So Mephibosheth falls on his face, pays homage to David and said, and David said, Mephibosheth, and he answered, behold, I am your servant. And David said to him, do not fear. That's a big breath of fresh air for Mephibosheth. For I will show you kindness for the sake of your father, Jonathan, 
And not just that, I will restore to you all the land of Saul, your father, and you shall eat at my table always. What should have been a threat to David became an opportunity to bless somebody because he, he practiced the principle of honor. Americans, we don't get this. There was a king who was over us at one time in our history. We dropped all their tea in the bay, and we kicked them back to England. And then there was a whole big bloody fight, and a lot of crazy stuff happened. We have been doing that ever since. Our mentality is we're going to come take it. We're going we're gonna to win. We're, gonna, we're, going, we're not going to bow. We're not going to back off. Not everybody in America is that way right now, and that's all I'm going to say about that. But we have, this, we have this chip on our shoulder that we have to prove ourselves. So American Christianity is a lot tamer than it should be. We're a lot more docile than we should be when it comes to the practices of kingdom for God's sake. And the, the reason is is because we operate how David should have operated and when a regime change happens in a church, we fight for power and position and authority, and we start to destroy the reputations of people around us, thinking that that's good practice because we have to support whoever the new leader is. Or if somebody who we deem has authority in our life, they speak badly about someone, guess what we're going to do? We're going to speak badly about that person as well. We actually don't know them. Never spent time with them. Never had a face-to-face -face conversation. All I know is my job is to judge them because somebody talked bad about them. To walk in the kingdom in every aspect of our life with our kids, with our spouses, jobs, family debacles, financial things, whatever it is, is to walk honorably. It doesn't mean I trust you 100%. We've got to get this disconnect. Honor is not the same thing as trust. It can build my trust in you and for you. But when I come humbly to honor you, even when I think I shouldn't, but I do it anyway, it teaches me, oh my gosh, to take the lower road is so much more effective than coming in and bulldozing everybody. But I need people to see my anointing. I need people to see my gifting. I need them to know I could run this company so much better than they could. All you're doing by saying that is running the company into the ground because you're not actually supporting what's happening. You're fighting it. And it shows up at the bottom line. To actually find our lane and to trust that when God wants to elevate me, he will I'm going to walk in honor and humility as long as I possibly can and say, God, I'm going to be right where I'm at. Because if you've placed me here, I'm going to honor you. But we fight this, man. We fight this position right here because it's weakness. It's submission. I will not submit. This is kingdom. Every time somebody came up to the king, they said, I'm your servant. That's what we're supposed to be. But we don't have slaves in America anymore. Well, human trafficking, 
it's rampant in this area. It's not something in South Africa. It's not something in Thailand. It's in the U.S. Major airports. I could get, I could get really deep into this. I'm not going to. The world that we are serving, that we are standing up for, is a world that is at, at odds with this. Well, I can't change anything. I can't do anything. Yes, you can. You can pray. You can humble yourself. You can decide that instead of fighting for to be the top, because that's the American dream, I'm going to be kingdom, and I'm going to go for the lowest position. And I'm going to serve the best from the lowest. And even if they give me a promotion that I actually don't deserve and I wouldn't be good at that job, I'm going to say, hey, thank you so much. I'm being super effective right here. Can you turn down the promotion you desired all for the sake of answering what God is asking you to do in this season? Now, if God brings you to it, yes, take the position. A friend of mine, amazing mentor uh, named Mark Hurstemeyer, he's the new... I think Dean of Engineering, if I got that wrong, Mark, I'm so sorry. Um, I think he's the new Dean of Engineering at Liberty. He's been there the last two years. I came to him. I got offered a, a head pastor. Well, I got told that I might get offered a head pastor job. <laughs> you, you all, everyone in the front row over here just laughed. We all know. We've been there. I got told that there might be the possibility of a possible conversation to come five months later that there may or may not be a position at a church. We had just started Land of the Living, Bethany and I. We were giving our lives to this thing. We get this job possibility. And I go to Mark, and he's one of the ones that wants me to go do it. It's his church that he's actually getting ready to leave. But he feels like this might be a good chance for me, for our family, for the church. I said, dude, what do I do? And he goes, I am not invested because I'm leaving. He goes, I'm invested because I love it, but I'm, I'm leaving, so this wouldn't benefit me. But do what I do every time I get presented with an option. You have to go through the death, burial, and resurrection of an idea. If you die to it, God, I don't even want it. And I'm not just talking about closing your eyes and peeking if he, if he gives it to you. That's not death. They should be able to smack your face and see, do you really want it? And there's been, we've gotten countless job offers since we started Land of the Living, and I've had to do this every time. But he says, die to it. Bury it. And if God does not resurrect it, it was not yours to have. Because I'm trying to keep something on life support that was never meant to be. Their heart's beating, they're hooked up to a machine. They're breathing, they're hooked up to a machine. That dream is just your dream. It's not the real dream. So he said, die to the land of the living, die to this church. See which one God resurrects. The next week, I got phone calls from four different states, four different people that didn't even know. They just said, hey, man, I love what you and Bethany are doing. I believe in it so much. We're going to become a monthly partner with you. Hey, man, I've been so touched by the stuff that you guys are doing, how can I help you? Over and over again. I got no more phone calls from that church, but my phone lit up for the next four weeks on different things that was impacting people's lives. What did God resurrect? 
You will know that you know that you know when you honor the process with God and you let him guide you. Now, the best part is, like, you go to the book of Joshua, first chapter, wherever you put your foot, I've already given it to you, go. There are seasons of go, and we're sitting there saying, God, show me what to do. And he's like, dude, I already gave it. Go. What you need, go. You want to go over there? Great. You want to go over there? Great. I don't care. Where are you going to go? But then there's the other seasons when I'm trying to go, and I'm wandering the wilderness, and I'm so angry with my circumstance that I can't actually even praise God for where I'm at. That's when we have to get to the place of day and night, night and day, I will follow you. If the cloud moves, if the fire moves, I'm following you. If it stays put, I'm staying put. Caleb did that. Not me, the character Caleb in the Bible, which is my namesake. He and Joshua, which is also my middle name, they spied out the promised land and then had to walk around in the wilderness for 40 years knowing where their promise was. Talk about honor. They could have said, Moses, bump you. You went with the other 10. You're not going to trust me. I'm out of here. I don't trust your authority. I don't trust your leadership. I don't trust how you are looking at things, how you are talking about things. You are wrong. They could have done that. That's basically what the church operates in, at least in America. Church growth is people leaving one church and going to another. I'll just let that sink in for a minute. Now, if you are at a place where you are not supposed to be and you are supposed to go and God's on it, God bless you, I will help you move, I will walk with you, I will love you, and we'll still drink coffee together. But if it's a submission problem that I don't know how to even start my morning by bowing down and saying, God, not my way, but your way. Jesus was getting ready to go to the cross. He knew what he had to do, what he was sent for, what he promised he would do in the garden. He knew what he was getting ready to do, and yet he still bowed down and said, God, your will be done. The audacity that the Trinity honors each other. The audacity. And yet we're more worried if we get offended for our version of the gospel. We're offended if the church doesn't lead the right songs. I've been there. God humbled me hard. It's not about the songs I sing. I can go stand in a Methodist church right now and sing from a hymn with a pipe organ and get wrecked by Jesus and jump up and down and be a fool. And everyone's like, uh, security, please get him. <laughs> I've led music at a Catholic funeral and started prophesying over people in the room. It doesn't matter where you are. Can you worship God? It doesn't matter where you've been placed. You have been placed there to practice kingdom. Advancement comes, but it always begins with this place right here. Mephibosheth lowered himself before the king. And then guess what David did? He honored him in return. He gave him all of his property, Everything that David should have taken as his own, that he's now the king, he said, I don't, I don't need it. 
it's yours. And guess what? You are always invited to my table. Throw up that last verse we just read. Go to the next one. Next one. Next one. Yep. Uh, nope, next one. Here we go. This is the heart of the kingdom right here. This is why David is a man after God's own heart. Then Ziba said to the king, according to all that the Lord, the king commands his servant, so will your servant do. So Mephibosheth ate at David's table like one of the king's sons. We get angry if someone doesn't preach right. And we won't sit at a table with them, and yet they are the king's son. We get mad that somebody walked away from Jesus, and they're living a lifestyle like the prodigal, and yet they're one of the king's sons. Every man, woman, child on the face of the planet is a son or daughter of the king, and yet we sit there and say, you don't have room at my table because you're not clean enough? What? Your theology isn't perfect enough? What? You don't say all the right things. You don't know all the right songs. You don't know all the right changes. You don't know when to come in and to go out, when to minister, when to not, when to buy coffee, when to not. You don't know how to do all the right things. What? We're sitting in judgment as if we're the ones sitting on the throne, acting like we know best, when all we're doing is speaking death and condemnation and curses over one of the king's sons. So how do we honor God? You honor man. I didn't even get to what I wrote down. We're gonna start now three hours from this point. The Pharisees killed Jesus because he talked to people the likes of Zacchaeus and he sat at his table. The Pharisees killed Jesus because he got in the dirt with the woman caught in adultery. And now they could claim that he was around a woman and caught in adultery and shame his reputation. Guess what? In the kingdom, reputation hangs itself at the door and walks in in order to serve and love and humble yourself before God and man. It's not about your reputation. If you're trying to honor yourself, you will put your reputation on and say, oh, it's not honored here. I'm gonna go get it honored somewhere else. That's about me. Jesus constantly went, oh, that's the way that I should go based on what the letter of the law says. Let me tell you what the real letter of the law says. Let me tell you what the spirit of the law says. He gets down in the dirt with the woman, shamed, exposed, embarrassed, and then has the audacity before he ever died on the cross to say, I don't condemn you before the cross. We get trapped up if somebody prayed the prayer or not. He hadn't even died yet. And yet in his heart was already salvation for her. In his heart was already grace for her. We sit here and say we have the love of Jesus within us, and yet when we get questioned about what we believe, we get angry rather than sit back and say, oh my gosh, God, if there's any wicked way within me, search it. Search me, O oh God. Search me and find. Amazing spiritual father of mine. 
by the name of Marcus Bellamy helped me with this. I was working at a church down in Mississippi. One of the guys I was working with, we were having workplace issues. Not crazy, not bad, but what I thought versus what he thought were different. And Marcus goes, man, that's really frustrating. I'm so sorry. I mean, he ministered to me in that moment for the next hour. And then for the next 10 minutes, he said, okay, now that we're good, what percentage of what he said was true? What? He was wrong about 99%. He's like, yeah, but 1% was true. Are you willing to take that and eat and be blessed by God? I was like, no. <laughs> he said, that's what we're going to work on. And he loved me through it. And the funny thing was, 50-50 in that particular situation was true. I'm not going to reject the 50 that benefits me because of the 50 that doesn't. I'm not going to reject the 1% that does bless me for the 99 that doesn't. So now, when people ask me direct questions or we get into kingdom conflict, I'll say that, I sit back and say, God, what percentage of what they're saying is true? And then I minister to that. And I'm thankful for that. And I humble myself to that. I won't humble myself to something that is not what God is telling me to receive. Because sometimes I even speak things or prophesy things from my perspective, not from God's faulty. God, what percentage is true of this situation right here, right now? How much do I need to own? And can I own it? God, thank you for showing that to me. That's teachability. That's humility. That's honoring God well. God, I don't agree with them, but what percentage is true? about being right and wrong and standing in our places of right in order to prove how wrong somebody else is. I do it all the time. Sports, ministry, theology, food. Oh, that place is awful. Don't eat there. You will throw up. Friendships, churches, worship. God is humble. Bethany went to a conference at Gateway Church a number of years ago, and they interviewed Joel Osteen, and everybody said, oh. And they said, hey, there's a lot of controversy surrounding your ministry. They asked him how he got into it. He told that story, but this story, he said, yeah, there's a lot of controversy around my ministry. He goes, every morning I wake up, and I pray, and I say, God, I'm ready to preach and meet. says, I know you are, but the ministry I have for you is X, Y, and Z, and I need you to be like faithful to that because there are millions of people who will get saved because of your ministry, that if we stopped, yes, God could raise someone up, but he said, but if we stop, and every morning he says, okay, I'm in. Whether that's true, whether it's not, if his perspective is to get down on his knees before God every morning and say, I want something else, but, you, but your will be done. 
I will never question that man again. And what I used to say about him in other churches and other pastors and other ministries that I didn't agree with, that was a marking moment. I wasn't even at the conference. Bethany told me the story. I fell on my face and was like, oh God, I have questioned your anointed one. It's not for me to judge. He's one of the king's sons. Doesn't matter if he's crippled. Doesn't matter if he's wrong. He's one of the king's sons. So let's just close our eyes for a second. instead of receiving your redemption for me? Where have I honored myself by standing to be seen instead of bowing low to make others seen? Where have I honored my own desire instead of fasting and honor to you? Jesus, gently humble us this morning. Allow us to know that when we go low, you come low with us. Psalm says that you are the lifter of our heads. That means if we bow low before you, you bow low with us and you raise us up. But God, we're so angry. God, we're so right. Sometimes being right is the wrong thing to do. So God, show us that sometimes being wrong is the most honorable thing to help someone else who desperately needs to be right. Jesus, allow my spirit to understand that humbling is not humiliation. You're not doing this to look down on us. You're doing this to show us that when we bow low, so much more can be done. Thank you for listening to the Sermon of the Week. We hope you've been blessed by this message. If you'd like to partner with us, you have the opportunity to give online at providencecommunity.org.